Hello, Warriors. Tom Romero here, and I just wanted to say thank you for listening to the People of Eternia podcast. I truly appreciate you coming along for this crazy ride. I hope you're enjoying the show and are subscribing so you do not miss an episode of the best behind-the-scenes Masters of the Universe stories ever told, from the perspective of the creators and fans. It really is a fantastic time to be a fan of Masters of the Universe. We have Faking Filmation from Rob McCallum, now on Kickstarter. Rob tells the story of Masters of the Universe fan James Etock and his creation, a Filmation-inspired Masters of the Universe episode about Faker. Pixel Dan's new book, The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, is being released in April, and you can still get your copy from Amazon or Big Bad Toy Store. However, if you order the book from thepower-con.com, you can also get the Compendium Part 2. And speaking of conventions, PowerCon, the convention for all things He-Man and She-Ra, will be taking place on September 11th and 12th in Anaheim, California. Hotel rooms are currently open and are selling out fast, so take advantage if you plan on attending. Log on to thepower-con.com for more details. Oh, and if you'd like to support this podcast, please consider going to teespring.com slash people hyphen of hyphen Eternia and purchase a shirt. Thank you in advance for the advertising. Thank you so much for listening. Now enjoy this new episode featuring Joe Amato from the Fans of Power podcast, which you can see every Sunday on YouTube. I'm Tom Romero, and remember, you have the power. Hey, Masters of the Universe fans, welcome to People of Eternia. I'm Tom Romero. One of my goals on doing this podcast is to form new friendships and open up a dialogue with the Masters of the Universe community. My guest today is not only part of the community, but he is truly a fan of power, a passionate Motu fan that will not accept anything less than perfection from this line. And he's not scared to let anyone know, including Mattel, to know how he feels. He is a master customizer and a fellow podcaster. He's part of the trinity of fans of power. Ladies and gentlemen, the man in the mask, Joe Amato. Joe, welcome to People of Eternia. Well, thank you for having me on. And I do apologize to anybody if there's any kind of delays, my connection, as people sometimes see on fans of power. Might have an issue once in a while, but once it starts flowing, hopefully it'll be okay. There won't be too many glitches, audio problems, but otherwise, yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. You do a great podcast with your buddies, Tyler and Nathan. Okay, cool. Yes. All right, good. Yes. So what got you involved in, in all that? How'd you start your podcast? Well, this podcast... uh when I first got on Facebook and I was always in the Masters of the Universe groups posting pictures of my collection and any of the other stuff, there was a there was a group called uh, Council of the First Ones and they wanted to do a uh, they wanted to do a podcast dedicated to Masters of the Universe. At that time I had no clue what a podcast was. Uh, my technology has always been pretty behind. 
I was like, I don't know. And excuse me. The group was the Great Rebellion, but they wanted to do a podcast called Council of the First Ones. So they said, would you like to be on? It seems like, you know, you know your stuff. People enjoy looking what you post. And would you want to come on? I was like, sure. So we started doing that. And after a while, that podcast just, you know, it didn't happen anymore. But they're restarting it now with some of the original members, which is good. They've been doing it throughout a year. So it's great. But after that was done, I did another podcast called Global Masters. And throughout that, that's when I uh, got in contact and met, you got to come on this show and try to be a permanent part of Global Masters. Just went away and the opportunity came to do the new one, Fans of Power. I was like, Tyler, you got to be a part of that. So went through some like, you know, let's say speed bumps, whatever you want to say at the beginning, first X amount of uh, episodes. And then it came to be just me and Tyler. Nathan uh, came aboard. And all we want to do is just share everything from Masters of the Universe, Princes of Power, New Adventures, and anything else from the past, present, what we'd like to see in the future, and giving honest opinions. If there's things we don't like, whether it's from the past or now or things that could be coming, we we just want to give a genuine, a genuine uh, take on anything and not making it feel like we just absolutely love one thing or hate another. It's honest. It's not ever trying to be mean. Some people don't like it sometimes if we're a little too honest about a figure or a comic, but it's like, it's just our thoughts in hell. If people, if they like the comics, cartoons, toys and everything, that's great. But like I said, it's just an honest opinion and just trying to give as much um, respect to this property as possible being shown in a positive light. That was a great answer because part of the, what attracted me to your podcast besides your, your, incredible customization talent was you guys don't hold anything back. If you dislike something, you're going to let the whole world know it and you don't care. Even if Mattel hears it, which is, which is kind of both refreshing and intelligent because how is Mattel going to know the mistakes they're making? If everybody loves everything. And that's a good point, and you're right, and that's why when we do it, it's not like we're malicious attacking people doing anything in a negative way and calling people out of their names or or anything like that. It's just giving like if there was something with the figure we thought maybe it should have been like this or going forward you should do this or the same thing with the comics or things that are written within it. It's If you're right, if there's no criticism, companies will always think everything they're doing is absolutely perfect and they'll deliver the same stuff or it could get worse, whereas if you speak up, in not a nasty, vile way, they, they might take the heart thinking, you know what, maybe we could change this. Maybe we could tweak this. Because there's some people that are overly positive about everything, some people that are super negative. But what we do is just give the honest opinions. Like you said, if there's something that could be tweaked or changed. And you'd hope that would be for the better. You know, that's the only reason we say what we say. But no, at no time are we being malicious against anybody and again, calling them nasty names or anything like that or personal attacks. It's not like that. It's just giving our thoughts on this and that's it. Right, right. And uh, let's jump into, um, if we can sidetrack for a second. You're a customizer. Are, are you a full-time customizer or you do this just for fun? No, that's it's been my full-time job for 11 years now. Wow. That's awesome. Now, um, do you work for other people? I mean, where have we seen your work or is it? Are you just self-employed? Oh, I mean, I'm just self-employed to make my customs. I've done some figure designs and things for some companies, some other stuff. So there's things I've done and had parts of like, you know, with the Masters of the Universe brand. With Dark Horse with some of their books, because like I'm a fountain of information, things that I have in my head. So 
there's a lot of stuff that's you know, I want to share with people. That's how I got noticed was just by sharing a lot of rare art stuff, maybe things people never seen before, some weird literature, whatever it may be. But as for customs, that was that was something I never thought I would do for a living because I worked in a factory for X amount of years. And after that place was being closed down, I was like, I just don't want to do this work no more. I was like, I can't. I, I mean, I was sitting there. It's I was doing shipping, receiving, pre-boxing, inventory, as many things you think could be possible that's doing but barely getting paid the price of one person so when they went out of business i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do it ain't gonna be this though and i was uh i was going through ebay just checking through believe it or not he-man stuff and i seen somebody selling a custom imp that they sculpted and at that time and of course you know imp was never released back in the old lines right. i was like you know what i think i'm gonna try this because this person sculpted it and it sold for 85 dollars I was like, I've never did anything like this in my life, you know, to take something seriously. But you know what? I'm going to scope something up quick, put it on eBay, see if it sells. And it sold for 75 And it was an imp that, believe it or not, isn't backing me off to the side. I can get to the story of how I still have that. But oh, wow. after it sold, I was like, you know, I want to take this seriously. There's literally hundreds of hundreds of Masters of the Universe characters, Princess Power. There's tons of things that were never made into figures. I want to take it seriously. So I started perfecting my craft, and I'm still learning all the time. I, I always say I am not somebody that is the most amazing customizer in the world. It's like, I know I still have to learn stuff. And the thing is, I'm, I'm pretty prideful and bullheaded. Like I never liked help. So I've been, I've taught myself how to sculpt. I taught myself wow. how to make the card backs. I never asked for help. And I probably should, because, you know, I probably could have got things done a lot quicker and easier if I would have just asked for help. But I don't know. It's a pride thing, and it's stupid. So I know that I should ask for help from people. But so I just, like I said, I'm trying to perfect my craft all the time. But it's been a full-time job now for 11 years. Throughout the past couple years, you know, not uh, taking into account of the stuff that's going around the world that have messed a lot of things up for people, but just some personal issues, fa family, health things that kind of interfered and got in the way of me doing some of my my projects, excuse me, commissions. So a lot of catching up to do on things. I apologize for people when that happened, but otherwise, yes, it's been an 11 year full job. It's the best job I ever had because I've met so many amazing people. I mean, including you and done a lot of projects and been a part of things, including something for you as well. So yeah, I couldn't ask for a better job. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And the same here. I mean, Folks, if you don't know it, I got married uh, two years ago now, and my wife wanted to surprise me with the most powerful groom in the universe. She contacted Joe through Facebook, and he made this incredible vintage sculpt He-Man in uh, just a beautiful tuxedo. I was so happy when, when she showed it to me. I, I was so excited. I mean, this thing's beautiful. You can go up to the uh, – it's on Toy Lines, actually – on our toy lines, Instagram, you can see it right there. I mean, Joe, it looks like Joe puts his heart and soul into every piece he's done. He's also done others such as uh, ghostbusters. He did Venk man, heroic leader of the ghostbusters. He's done spawn. And it, it, here's my favorite. Well, well, one of my favorites, <laughs> Daffy Duckor. I mean, uh, <laughs> you must come across some incredible uh, requests. Well, what? it's uh, first is I mean, you're uh, thank you for sharing all that. There's a lot of requests, but a lot of things are just in my head. I've been doing crossovers from the beginning where I first did crossover stuff with horror characters. I always thought, man, Jason Voorhees is my favorite horror character of all time. 
I think I'm going to cross him with Masters of the Universe. And I did that almost 10 years. And years later, coincidentally, started doing a line of Savage figures where they were doing horror characters in He-Man style. I was doing Thundercats, anything that you think of. I just, these ideas pop into my head and I do them. And yes, I get a lot of requests as well. But I, I never know what a customer is going to ask for, which is always fun. And I never know what's going to come into my head. I could be watching, I could be walking through a store, and bam, an idea comes in my head. I'm like, okay, now I got to make this crossover. So, <laughs> but I have a crazy OCD with stuff like that. The He Man Groom of yours, that was the third version. There was two I made before that, and the other two I was just not pleased with. So, that one you have, I guess they're right, three times the charm or third time charm. So, that came out the way I wanted because I'll look at something like, damn it, I don't, I don't like this. Oh, I got to switch this. And, but I'm pleased with what you got though. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Like I said, it, it's beautiful. It's incredible. It was a wonderful surprise. And it's funny for our first anniversary, we may hit you up again because Hemian needs Tila in a beautiful ah, gown. Okay. So, so, so okay. that's, that's our, that's our next challenge. But yeah, I mean, some of these are incredible. Like, Definitely. Yeah. Like, Daffy Ducko, I mean, it's basically Daffy Duck as Skeletor, but the way you do it, I mean, it's such great detail. One of the things I also noticed, oh, here's uh, He-Man from the Cosplayer, most powerful man in the universe, but yes, this is, I don't know the gentleman's name, but I have seen him at PowerCon. That's Demetrius Holt, yes, he's uh, oh. he loves He-Man in the Masters of the Universe, and came as He-Man and fans loved it. And that's when I got in contact with him. I was like, I love what you did with He-Man because I always like seeing any different inter interpretations and looks of He-Man and his was unique. And I said, do you like a figure done? He was like, Oh my God. Yes. So I made it. Uh, and I tried to get it as close to him as possible, even to where he had like, I couldn't believe he caught the details for sure. He wouldn't see it. He has a slight like little mole on his like upper cheek. And I put the oh, cool. itty bitty mole on there. And out of all, out of all the things, the first thing you notice, it was like, I see you put my mole on there. <laughs> it just cracked me up. So That's it was awesome. a pleasure making that for him. So, yeah, I love seeing when cosplayers do things. I've turned a lot of other people who are cosplayers into figures as well. Some of Beastman and others. So, mm. yeah, I just never know what my requests are going to be. But it's, it's always fun, definitely. What's the weirdest request you've ever received? God, what is one? Um, got up here. It's some people that are wanting things as zombies. Um, uh, it's oh, weird. Wow. It's like it's it's crazy because I'm trying to flip into my head of all the stuff. One gentleman, he I, I wouldn't say a crazy request, but what was fun is his father was retired as a lumberjack, and oh, cool. he always considers his father his hero, and He Man is his childhood hero. He's like, well, could you do He Man as a lumberjack, and then I'm going to give it to my father on Christmas and do a video of it. So his dad got it. it was, it's cool. It's like the moments you're part of that you just don't expect are always, always fun. It's, it's just interesting to think of crazy. It's like, I, I just don't know what would be really crazy. Cause there's so many different things that I don't know. I guess it's all normal for me. That's what's weird. It's like, I guess I don't consider it, you know, too strange. Cause it's, it's their vision or it's something somebody wants. And I, I made weird stuff. 
<laughs> Otherwise, uh, I don't know. Like Stratos, I have a hate for Stratos. Everybody knows oh, this. Wow. It's it's uh, widely known. Um, I don't mind him in the yeah. I, I don't mind him in the comics. I don't mind him in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. But I always say that that vintage figure is like God. That's the worst figure ever. I was like, as a kid, I hated it. I was like, he doesn't have a weapon. Nothing. I was like, oh, I can go like this, like he's flying. I was like, that's exciting. I was like, well, at least when Origins makes their version, they're gonna do it right. Since in the mini comic they show the staff of Avion, I was like, he'll probably get a weapon. No, Ted botched a weapon. He still sucks. So I did one thing just to mess around. I took Stratos, like he just got destroyed, was laying almost there oh, dead, wow. and I turned him into a rotted zombie corpse. And I'll watch my language on the show. I called him effed up Stratos, but I used the actual word. <laughs> People got the biggest kick out of it. I was like, I hate that character, at least in figure form. Cannot stand him. Now, did you ever try to improve the figures you didn't like? Um, no, I mean, I've taken some characters to where, well, okay, for Beastman, for example, I, I love Beastman. That was the first character, I, or excuse me, figure I ever had for Masters of the Universe. And while doing a commission for one customer who wanted Scareglow to be Beastman's victim, to do the special Scareglow skull where it's, it was cracked cool. and it looked like glowing brain juice ooze was coming out, and he wanted saliva on Beastman's mouth, I was like, you know what, though? I can make Beastman angrier look. And I said, I love the vintage figure, but I always thought he could have been angrier. So I made a new open mouth, evil expression. So I guess in mind approving upon making a more intense looking Beastman face. And for an example, when the Origins line came out, Skeletor's facial expression, it looks like he's shocked like it's a surprise party. There's nothing evil about it. Like, what is this open mouth? What is this expression you're trying to do, Mattel? So I was like, he should look angry and upset. So as quick as that figure came out, I made in one day a new Skeletor head with the angry eyebrows a slight mm -hmm. open mouth he looked intense and i was like that's how it should have been so like that was one of my critiques with you know the origins line i like the origins line mm -hmm. but some of the head sculpts i don't understand the reasoning behind them and one especially being skeletor and i feel like they're almost turning him into a jokester of a comedic relief of a character mm -hmm. i'm like seriously I mean, in the original line, in the first line, in the mini comics, there was nothing humorous about it. I didn't feel like I was like watching a yuck yuck cartoon or something to laugh at. He's an evil, deep, you know, being from another dimension. And of course, you know, when filmation came around, the first season it was still pretty serious in tone. But when parents groups got involved, saying that Masters of the Universe is evil, mm -hmm. promoting devil worshiping, and all this other nonsense, they had to tone it back and make it a little more lighthearted. So they went with later when the internet came around. A stupid video also had Skeletor going, Mia, M Y A H. And they just ran with it. And then you'd see people making little memes of it, Meow, Meow. Right. And I was like, but Skeletor never said this. This is a stupid thing from a video. And now Mattel, in every single one of their new Origins comics, is having him say it as an expression. Like, you know, I'm going to get you, He Man, Meow. I was like, but yeah. why are you saying it like a, a 30s gangster? Why are you saying it like an expression where I have people now trying to search for it? I said, do you know this never existed in all the vintage material of any of the stories, mm -hmm. the comics, the books? Nothing. I said, not in the cartoon. And some people said, um, I think he might have said it in the cartoon in this episode. And then here when he would grunt like, Nyah! or got thrown like, yeah, 
but with an N, but right. it was a grunt. I was like, he never said this as an expression. So Mattel is diluting Skeletor's character, in my opinion. And then now, are people going to keep running with it? Like in the new cartoons, will he start saying it? It's like, I don't like that. I don't like him saying it like it's a catchphrase when it never existed. It was a grunt once or twice. A grunt sound. So you have everybody that made any grunt sound in the history of comics or cartoons. Is that going to become an expression? That's what they're not seeing, and I wish they'd stop. So that's a critique among of the new mini comics. Is I wish they would get rid of that, but somebody's really obsessed with loving that, and they're putting it in every comic. If you've looked at them, every Origins mini comic where Skeletor has one page where he's going to say he does say it at least on one part in every mini comic. It's it's ridiculous. I just I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I don't blame you. Although, I'll be honest with you, when they introduced the evil Horde, and I saw Skeletor back away from Hordak, that caught my imagination. I was like, this is a character that's that just challenged, in some way, Skeletor. He-Man's mortal enemy, and he's better than him. So from, from that moment on, Skeletor was kind of diluted for me right there. Because I thought Hordak was just the ultimate evil. The Horde was the challenge He-Man deserved. You know, because I always felt the the bad guy should be equal or if not equal, maybe a little bit superior to the hero. Because it's just that much sweeter once the hero defeats him. If he can. No, I can understand understand that. And definitely made the especially like in the mini comics, the evil horde were portrayed so much more serious or, you know, serious and sinister in the mini comics and other stories than the cartoon. Remember the cartoons, they always started getting just yeah. everything, unfortunately had to get watered down, but the mini comics. Yeah. And, and like the snake men in the mini comics, God, they, they were so imposable. Yeah. I mean, they were also another frightening group. So I did like the introduction of all these other factions. Skeletor, though, I was like, still, he's main bad, bad guy. But no, the Horde and Hordak, yes, they definitely look frightening. And of course, Modulok being my favorite oh, yeah. <laughs> member of the Horde. So I can understand that. I definitely can. I, I got you there. <laughs> so let's get into some other He-Man stuff. So when did you first discover He-Man? Like, was it a gift or, uh, or Christmas present? Oh, yeah, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, it was... I was a kid. Um, Beastman was the first character I got. I remember going to all the toy stores with my, you know, my mom and dad, wherever it'd be at that time, and just obsessively look, you know, looking for anything. Now, we didn't have tons of money then. We were always known and told that that's the one figure you get. You get this if you break it or lose it. You're not getting mm-hmm. another one. So, like all of the Masters of the Universe figures in back of me on the shelves at the top of Vintage, they're all from my childhood, except, of course, wow. the laser figure, which I found like probably 11 years ago on eBay at a crazy cheap price before the prices went insanely high. But, yeah. yes, I pack rated every single thing I had. So all the Vintage stuff with Masters of the Universe, I still have. So I have every single thing. But, yeah, I cherished it. And going down the aisles and seeing the coloring books, the sticker books. It was just, it was a fun, it was definitely a fun experience, but there, what drew you in was, I mean, beyond the unique kind of coloring and looks of the characters was like that red explosion, you know, of the package and then turning around and every one of them have a cool piece of artwork by Errol McCarthy and that artwork, it's like you could stare at a piece of art and just imagine a battle. It's like masters had a way of doing something that almost no other toy properties are doing. It's like their art 
is just as important to the brand as the figures, you know, the figures are, because you really got drawn in and sucked in, especially when you look at the box art for the vehicles and the uh, play sets and anything else. Had a great way of just drawing the kids in. So it's something I, I loved as a child. So I kept, I remember cutting all the top parts of the backs of the card backs. I still have those from my childhood. And I think that's what, I think that's the main thing that was a disappointment for me with the tooth. And I have all those as well. The hunchback on some of the characters like He-Man and Skeletor admittedly were kind of weird. But I loved that uh, the four horsemen were able to do their take. And it's not like the same buck body used over and over and over. There's right. all different new sculpts, but the only drawback was the card backs. I was like, that was nothing to suck kids in like it did for us. I mean, it's, it was bland on the front. It was like nothing had a little image of the figure in front with the name. And when you turn it around, it's a picture of the action figure and figures around. It's like, there's no card back art. There's no mini comics. I was like, there was some just lack. It was really, it was I mean, it was really bland. The box art for the vehicles and castles. Again, it's just the vehicles put onto a picture with, you know what I mean? It's, nothing's drawn out. There, there wasn't that appeal that drew you in as it did with the, you know, the 80s line. So good figures, great figures, but um, unfortunately just terrible packaging. Oh, not a fan of their packaging. Yeah, it's funny you say that. And I, I hear it so much from other collectors. When I first got into He-Man, my parent, it was always a Christmas gift, unless it was like a special event or something. My mom always wanted to keep a clean house. So she would open up the figures, unbeknownst to me, and she'd put them in those collector's boxes. So I never really got to see the back artwork. My first experience to the artwork, I guess, oh, was okay. when I got my attack track and battle ram, and then later on Castle Grayskull. Then the vehicles didn't really didn't really catch my attention, except I just couldn't wait to play with them. But that beautiful box that Castle Grayskull came in with the oil painting ah, and Skeletor oh, yeah. coming out, that's when I started. I was like, this is this is amazing. I can't wait to open this. That's what grabbed me. But it, it's so it, it just it's not funny, but it seems different to me that people have that reaction towards carded figures. Like, I think my very first carded figure that I was on my own was Zodak. And then I flipped it over okay. and I was like, oh, all right. I see what people are getting at. Okay. This is pretty cool. But yeah, it, it's always Yeah, and that's what I, I give that to that. Origins. No, it is. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. There was that little no, delay no, you're between fine. talking. But yeah, but um, that's what I give to Origins. Origin is capturing the magic like they did back in the 80s. You're getting card back art. They're doing art on the the castle they're doing it for the vehicles they're doing it for you know uh battle cat and panthor so they at least they're hitting the nail on the head there and the figures are selling great now there was something that was annoying me was of course the the clutter of skeletor and he-man which always concerns me because that was mm -hmm. the demise of the 2000x line was well they made so many variants. It was ridiculous. There was like over 20 He-Mans and there was almost oh, yeah. 17 Skeletors. Like, okay, you, you guys, yeah, you got to cut blade, back at some point. Yeah. It's been and smash like, Oh, so it, it looked like nobody wanted the line no more, but right. there was a story that I thought I've, I've seen before where Mattel said they were convinced that if back in the eighties, if they had He-Man and Skeletor 
on the shelves at all times for kids to get the line would have you know went further and then people said well you had the battle armor the thunder punch flying fist this you know you had your variants and they're like no we meant the main ones because some of the kids by the time they got in line they were like where's he-man where's skeletor so they wanted to make it a point when origins came out if i'm not mistaken they will always be there so when you're seeing this glut of he-man and skeletor thinking oh god they're not selling the thing is i admit I've gone into the stores where I see a glut of them, come back, let's say, a week later, and then there's two He-Man, three Skeletors, and I come back another week, and then there's eight He-Man, eight Skeletors. From my impression of what I thought I've heard is that they are making sure they keep giving the stores He-Man and Skeletor to be available all the time, no matter what. So the stores know it's not a sitting there of a bunch of glut. They're the ones that keep getting them. So Mattel will keep sending them because they want to make sure that there's always He-Man and Skeletor, the original ones, with every single wave, no matter what, however long lines out. So that's a way of keeping kids. I don't know if I really agree with that. I mean, I just, I can't picture. We know that the main people collecting this, they're adults. It's right. the ones buying these figures. I'm saying that kids aren't buying them. No, there will be kids that can get them. But that passion isn't going to be as much as us collectors that were the ones that when you go into any store and you go to the toy section or figure section, you're always seeing adults like us buying up the turtles and G.I. Joe Transformers. We're doing it. But it'd be great. I want to see a new generation of uh, young He-Man fans and grow and get into it. But just so people weren't going to get paranoid thinking, oh, God, it's just they're sitting there now and keep Man. and keep flooding it up. So and hell, if they go cheap, I'll buy them. I'll use them for customs. <laughs> Oh, well, excellent. Now, you're in the toy uh, business. Do you think kids aren't really focused on He-Man right now because there's missing media? Like, should we wait and see till after the Netflix shows come out? And then do you think it, that'll have some effect? Oh, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, because we know that... I'll get into the whole thing about toys and kids in general in a second. But yes, hopefully when the new... Uh, the new Masters Universe cartoons. There's two of them. One will be geared more towards us. One will be geared more towards right. kids. And there's going to be a line for that cartoon and the other cartoon and Origins. So maybe in their minds they're thinking, well, hell, if there's media exposure, it could be bringing young fans to the toy stores and even adult fans who maybe didn't know there's an Origins line. But, hey, wait, there's a new He-Man cartoon. They might go. So they'll see three different lines there, and maybe they'll gravitate to the Origins Now... I mean, we already know that kids and toys, it's not it, – since video games started becoming a thing, kids and toys started going a little further and further away. Kids went mm -hmm. right from being able to, hey, I can pick up a tablet or a phone or a video game controller. And, I mean, it started slowly happening back in the days with Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. That was the slow decline, but then as video games got more prominent, Less kids do it. They're not using their imaginations as much, playing with games. It's like, I mean, playing with the figures because games are right there to give them an adventure story, bam, that's it. So they're not using their imaginations, which I hate seeing. I'd love to see kids playing with figures, creating battles because imagination sparks. Well, when they're older, they might be ones that could do comics and cartoons and movies. But if things are just presented in front of you all the time, and it's not their fault. That's just how it is nowadays. It's just things are presented right there for them to just soak up. And I'd love to see kids get back into toys. I guess that's the main thing I'm trying to say. So it, it'd be nice, hopefully. Let's say Mattel comes to you and they're like, hey, Joe, we don't know what we're doing anymore. What what would your suggestion be for the perfect team in line? How, how are we going to get kids and adults and make, 
obviously you can't make everyone happy, but how would you fix He-Man right now? Well, right now, like I said, with Origins, I I do appreciate what they're doing. They're taking the best of both worlds, of the vintage style that people loved and reminisce about and has a place in their heart from their childhood. And then the Classics line, which was their biggest, longest running line on Maddie Collector, with more articulation and detail, and they're putting it together. So now you get a vintage style figure with more articulation, which is cool, but they're missing the mark on, like I said, a lot of these heads. I could tell these have. I don't think people are hand sculpting. I almost guarantee they're not hand sculpting. I think these are all 3D modeled. They're just missing, I think, the love. I don't know if they're just trying to get them out quickly, but it's like try to get a little more. Uh, a little more focus from fans, meaning ask them, what is something you'd like to see in this figure? What do you think about this? Like show some, like maybe not prototype figures, but early sketches of a figure or maybe an early 3D image. Like, what do you think of this head? Do you think there should be alterations made? I would like more fan input. Now, I ain't saying have fans run the show because again, we know that could lead to trouble, but some fan stories. What do you think about this? Because the meow thing would be gone. That would be non-existent. I would treat Skeletor with respect as all the other characters, but make him an, you know, an imposing force. I'd want that to be done well. I, I know that they probably can't get commercials out. I don't know what their budget is, but I would love to see commercials. Do some advertising on TV for kids to see commercials again. Have some more promotions to get the kids or people into stores. Have bigger banners. Now, the thing is, they did have a great store display that when this Origins line came out, all the respect in the world. It's like, that's the way you do it. Because it was sitting not down the toy aisle, but on like in the middle walkways of like a Walmart, which might have been five feet away from the toy, or excuse me, the toy end caps. But seeing this gigantic art of He-Man and Skeletor was drawing people there. They're like, oh my God, He-Man. I experienced it when I went, when I seen somebody run from his wife over to the He-Man section because he's seen that. Because he's like, I didn't know this was back. And he started grabbing figures. They, they had it spot on. But a lot of collectors were, once those end caps were empty or those displays were empty, like, can I okay, so they'd let, you know, like just people take it with them, which it's, it's cool. But I said they should have, Mattel should somehow try to get some different kind of deal. They have it left there for an X amount of time, whether it be a month or two, so it can promote it more because people are getting the stuff and it's gone. So I, I don't know how the ins and outs are with the companies and the toy stores, uh, you know, and how that stuff works, but they did a good job with promoting like that. But yes, I would, I would definitely be doing something different about the heads for origins. I'd, I'd change up those mini comics. I'd like to get more promotion, whether it could be hell when they were having comics, have some insert pages and in comics, have something on TV, but a better way of promoting it because I think it could reach, it could reach everybody as for getting it with kids that's just, it's always a hit and miss. Uh, there's no way of guaranteeing that. But definitely cut down. Don't go nuts on variants either. Like, let's have He-Man slightly recolored with this armor or something. Like, cut back on that. You know, at least redesign colors. Redeco, as they call them. Don't play with that nonsense. Don't do, let's make this one through green and a red and a blue. And capitalize on that. That doesn't work all the time. And that'll create more glut. If they wouldn't. Metal armors and flying fist and thunder punch, cool, but definitely cut back. Don't go to over twenty He-Man or over twenty mm -hmm. Skeletor variants. And I think the line could last because it is, like I said, it's selling well almost everywhere I see, and they're always they're always gone. <laughs> so they're doing something mm -hmm. right. They're they're doing pretty good. Yeah, 
What would you like to see from Masterverse? Uh, like when they start doing the figures too, or you just mean, or like, uh, yeah, throughout, because apparently it's supposed to be something from every incarnation of He-Man. So it's not just going to be the Kevin Smith. Okay. Yeah. Show. Cause like, right. right okay. Yeah. So like for, as for the cartoon, the revelation, see, I'm getting the dog excited. As for the <laughs> revelation cartoon, um, well, again, let's cross fingers that Skeletor isn't a jokester and a moron in there. Hopefully he's taken seriously. Yeah. Hopefully. I understand this nowadays. That's like the main thing they're doing, whether it's in comics or cartoons. They always have a continuity. Now, MYP, they did great with their continuity, meaning they could still have a lot of good one-off episodes, but still while acknowledging things that happened in previous episodes. But I don't want to feel like I just have to be strung along to watch every single episode as it goes, just like when they did with the, like some of the 16-issue story arcs for those DC ones. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, they're, they're putting me to sleep. Can we have action? Can we? Have, and that's the other I want to be preached to in a cartoon or talked down to like I'm a moron. Just give us fun action adventure escapism like we had back in the day. Hopefully some one-off episodes. Yes, have acknowledgement. We know they're going to have continuity, but hopefully it just has a good sense of escapism. That's all we ever wanted when we watch cartoons or anything is that. So I'm hoping and crossing my fingers they do something good like that. And with the figure line, uh, I think... We'll have to see how that looks. We've seen some early things that could be questionable and like, I don't know, but a person I'm hoping. Yeah. I felt the same way. And it's interesting. You're one of the few people I've actually encountered that actually maybe prefers the H than the iron cross. Oh yeah. Let me get to that. See, here's the thing. And that's in the thing is it actually, it's not an iron cross. It's a different type of cross that they base that off them. Now, okay. I know people, you know, it could be if people see that nowadays could interpret it almost as what you said, Iron Cross, and think, oh, God, this is this is horrible. And it's hate. It's like, no, that's not Cross. That's not what it ever promoted. But to play right. safe, that H, the reason I liked it is you got to think in back of me. But, of course, I'm at a certain angle. You can't see. But there's Battle Armor He-Man, Thunder Punch He-Man, Flying Fist He-Man. They all started using this kind of like. H symbol, which some people even said if it looks like if it's flipped upside down, it's a combination of H and M for He-Man. But I liked it because it gave him his own identity. Meaning, okay, well, first, and also it was on Dragon Walker. It was used in tons of promotional art and books and everything. They were, I think, going forward with it. It's iconic. But if I was to just sit there and put ran random stuff down for people to look at, and I put that cross symbol and just other things in cartoons, nobody would look at that and say hey that's he-man symbol whereas if they see the s symbol of superman batman symbol spider-man symbol the cobra command you know the cobra symbol the transformers you know with uh, decepticons or autobots you see that stuff and you instantly know the characters but if you would just randomly see that cross symbol of he-man you wouldn't have a clue and i was like he-man he's, he's a hero this is his it's his sign and that h I believe could become iconic and known. So when they showed that for the uh, the new Retroverse lines, I was like, I like it. I've been a fan of that. I've been wanting that for years. They tried a new version when they did the MYP 2000X. It just missed the mark. It looked like a weird asterisk symbol. It looked horrible. Right. So I'm like, let 
yeah, let He-Man have his symbol finally. If it can look as I how it was with the figures back then and other merchandise, if they can use that enough, and if it was in the cartoon, it might finally become iconic to where now kids can look at that and adults and say, that's He-Man. And not question it, thinking it kind of looks like a cross. It kind of looks like this cross. No, it's his symbol. He deserves it, just like every other hero. I think you might have just changed my mind about that. That's a that's an excellent point. <laughs> Seriously, because uh, like one of the I things, appreciate it. Like, yeah. well, like you said, back in two thousand X, I went crazy looking because I heard they made variants with the cross. So I went crazy. I was like, this asterisk is in He Man. He Man is this cross. But now you kind of opened up my eyes to the battle armor symbol, or at least that's what I call it. But yeah, 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 yeah because it has been. It was point. on tons of things. No, I appreciate it. Like I said, I mean, if there's people that don't agree with me, that's absolutely fine. I know some people would probably hate the idea of it, but as a kid, I always, I started embracing it. I loved it because they were, like I said, they were putting in the coloring books, tons of the art, the Errol McCarthy art that you'd wear on shirts and pajamas and everything. It was being shown everywhere. So I even did like a mock-up, I think, of a, a filmation look of He-Man and put that H. And everybody thought it looked, they was like, that looks damn cool. So I, yeah, I welcome it. And I would hope that could become his symbol. I always felt so bad because the only symbol He-Man has, of course, is his power sword. Is Now, that's his thing he right. does have. He has a sword that is definitely iconic. You look at that, you know it's He-Man's, which is why when I seen the changes, some of the swords in these other cartoons, I'm like, oh, man, you took the only thing away from He-Man that he had now. He doesn't have a, a symbol on his chest. He only had a sword. Now, you took a sword away, too. So I was like, poor guy, yeah. he can't catch a break. <laughs> no, definitely. But yeah, I mean, that was, even when I saw the Filmation sword, I was like, why can't Mattel make the sword look a little bit more like Filmation? I mean, we had to wait till classics, you know, 30 some odd years later, but we finally got it. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's get into a little bit of your podcast. Now, I know you guys are, are extremely passionate, and I respect that. I, I think it's, it's wonderful. But do you ever hear, like, you guys are compared to, like, let's say the Star Wars fans where they feel that they've supported this line for so long that it goes beyond just being heard. They're, they're actually breaking through to try and make changes. Like, basically what I'm asking is, when does passion turn into possession? Like, I know you guys like are very that. passionate. I like what you said. No, no, Thank I you. mean, it's a great question. I like how you said that. It's, and I've never heard that. And no one's ever said, like, you know, compares to Star Wars fans. Like I said, I've, I've never known much of it. I watched the movies growing up, but Star Wars just wasn't my thing to collect. So I don't know it like others, but I know people can be passionate. And it's almost like I said earlier, where people can be vile to certain things where it's nasty over the top or people overly happy about everything. There's in between. And mine is just a passion of something that I love since, well, my childhood ever since growing up and it stuck with me and there was a lot of morals and lessons and things that were like, you know, put into me from masters of the universe and trying to treat everybody with, you know, with respect and be good to one another. Those little morals weren't corny. It's something good. And I think a lot of people would need is just, you're looking at your hero talking to you about, you know, maybe you should, you know, don't take drugs, don't do this, don't do that. It's a quick little thing at the end, or, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And that made me, of course, as being a kid, I was like, I, I want to be good to everybody. 
you know, that's how it should be. But as for the passion of the fandom, it's, I love the property. So when I see it, you know, like things, whether it's figures or comics or things that just, I don't think are doing a, a service to mass producers to speak, speak up and hopefully think you know what maybe we should tweak this and again i know that like you said when fans get involved it could be a level of insanity like okay don't let the fans run and take over with everything because then they feel like it's theirs and they're entitled to it all i don't mean right. that i just i want it to be treated with as much you know respect as possible that's why we're so passionate and we've talked about things from the past of the comics that some of the comics that sucked in our opinion or maybe a look on a figure but I think if you take anything to one extreme on this side or that side, it's not good. There has to be a in-between. And it's, that's why we do it to discuss. And we talk about everything from the comics, the cartoon, the books, toys, movie, anything you can think of. We discuss everything. But, but it's, again, it's, you know, it's a discussion. Like even within my uh, other fellow podcast you know, people on the show, yeah, we don't always agree on everything. But that's good. You know, it's like you can't always agree. But as long as you can respect each other. And their opinions without going nuts that's how it should be well thank you joe for your time fans if you're out there and you're interested to see more of joe joe where can they find you like on social media well on facebook uh you could just trust me type in joe motto and if the damn race car driver doesn't pop up you'll see a guy with some custom figures. That's me on Facebook, along with I have a Joe Amato Custom Creations on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Joe Amato Customs. And on Twitter, Joe Amato. I don't know if I changed my handle. Joe Amato with the number two after it. I think the reason I couldn't get it is because, like I said, there's a race car driver named Joe Amato, and that's the first search that people would find i'd hear that growing up all the time too drove me nuts but yeah if you type in joe motto customs in any of these formats you're gonna find me on all those platforms awesome and his podcast his famous podcast fans of power excellent excellent honest hardcore masters of the universe podcast i highly recommend it him and his partner partners nathan and tyler they're very passionate. They're very into it. I mean, it's a great eye opener and it gets you thinking, which is another great part of it. I mean, I look forward to it every Sunday and you can find them on YouTube as well. I appreciate it. Yeah. Cause we could. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause we could, like I said, we'll do character bios for, you know, to let people know about all the origins of a certain character that would might've been something from the UK, a book of this, that, not just one thing. So yeah, we do cover it all, but yeah, it's on, we're on YouTube. Just type in fans of power. You'll find the podcast and we always go live every Sunday night at 9 PM Eastern time on YouTube. And we always involve the chat so they can always be there. And that's East. I think I said Eastern time. I talk so quick. That's the thing. I'm the one on the podcast that talks a million miles an hour because I am so passionate and high strung that I forget what I'm saying half the time because I get worked <laughs> up. I'm wired, but yeah. So yeah, it, we do it. We didn't do it last or didn't do it yesterday because of course yesterday was Easter. So everybody had things to do, but always live 9 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday night on YouTube, fans of power and come join us, have some fun. And uh, yeah, we always get worked up. Yeah. I I'm actually looking forward to this upcoming episode. I, I guess you guys are going to, uh, dissect King He Man. So, and from yeah, the from the, sound, from the sound of it, it looks like most of you guys aren't really fans of that character. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Sunday we'll we'll save it. It should be interesting, and uh, you'll see why. And uh, some people might be upset, 
And you know what? And I always and that's the other thing. I always tell people if hey, if you're don't don't like what we have to say, I mean, I completely respect that. I'm not expecting everybody to tune in each week and love every single thing. There's always something that people will agree or disagree on. Even things I said right now during uh your podcast here, it's like I'm sure somebody would say, I don't know about what he just said there, but you know what? It's it's all fun and I respect everybody. I try to, like I said, treat everybody like they treat me. If we're good, we're good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You're always welcome to come back if you thank need you. to promote anything. So, ladies and gentlemen, the great Joe Amato. Thank you for being here. Thank you. People of Eternia Podcast is a Toylines podcast production. Intro and outro music is by Brian Salvatore. Cover art is by Tom Derenick and Andrew Kramer. Special thanks to Scott Knightlick and Spectre Creative. Email us at peopleofeternia.com. Follow us on social media at People of Eternia. Voiceover outro is provided by me, Amani. Come back next time for another powerful episode of People of Eternia.